1: is Veronica, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Taseco Mines Q4 and Year-End Earnings and Production Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star than the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you. TSECO, you may begin your conference.
2: Thank you, Veronica. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining TSECO's fourth quarter and year-end 2020 conference call. The news release announcing our financial and operational results was issued yesterday after market close and is available on our website at TSECOMines.com. With me today in Vancouver is our CEO, Russ Albauer, our President, Stuart McDonald, TSECO's Chief Financial Officer, Bryce Hamming, and also Richard Tremblay, VP of Operations. As usual, before we get into opening remarks by management, I would like to remind our listeners that our comments and answers to your questions will contain forward-looking information. This information by its nature is subject to risks and uncertainties that may cause the stated outcome to differ materially from the actual outcome. For further information on these risks and uncertainties, I encourage you to read the cautionary note that accompanies our fourth quarter MD&A and the related news release, as well as the risk factors particular to our company. I would also like to point out that we will use various non-GAAP measures during the call. You can find explanations and reconciliations regarding these measures in the related news release. After opening remarks, we will open the phone lines to analysts and investors for a question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call over to Russ for his remarks. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My comments will be
3: relatively brief, as I'm sure you want to listen to Stuart and Bryce on both our operating and financial results, as lots have occurred uh, in these areas over the last year. So I'll I'll just generally speak a bit about where we are as a company. Generally our strategic plan over the years has been to stay within our means, and I've spoken many times uh, on these quarterly calls about that. Uh, We run our mining operations uh, at the highest level we can and the lowest operating cost we can achieve. And uh, on top of that, uh, we ensure that our capital discipline is uh, a number one priority for us. Uh, Over the years, this in turn should allow us to take advantage of the opportunities that come uh, with a cyclical business such as the one we're in. Uh, we've had some pretty tough times uh, and during those tough times we've acquired our pipeline of assets. Uh, we bought them when copper prices were low and our entry costs were also low. So we've always looked for long life, low cost assets and we have a large stable of them. Uh, we have a plan to build out and develop them when conditions present themselves uh, and uh, we have waited for the correct time. And, uh, and in this business that is uh, uh, patience is, uh, is difficult to come by uh, because of outside forces. But here we are uh, on the cusp of some exciting times with the, with the metal prices. And those are exciting times for our management team and our shareholders, as we enjoy this present copper price regime uh, we've uh, been waiting for. Uh, I don't think uh, generally we are gonna see anything like this in our lifetimes. Uh, I've been in this business for over 40 years now and while we've had seen good prices, uh, we've not seen price levels like this, uh, which expected to be sustained uh, for a period of time. And um, so it's not just price, but I think uh, ultimately it's going to be the longevity of this cycle. This is certainly not 2011, when we last saw $4.50 copper. So this, this company is per- perfectly positioned to take advantage of this uh, uh, once-in-a-lifetime event. Uh, With Gibraltar continuing to pump out cash, our Florence project transitioning to construction, our Yellowhead project advancing in the EA process along with our First Nation friends, and new prosperity sitting in the wings, uh, our path forward is bright over the next decade. Uh, How is a mining company built? Well, it's built on the back of long term reserves. Between all of our operating and development assets, we have 15 billion pounds of reserves. I mean, that's not resources, that's not. Those are all 43101 reserves, uh, all with feasibility studies on them. So if we look at that in the context of the industry, those are more reserves than Lundin has, Hud Bay has, Capstone has, and Copper Mountain. In fact, our reserves are 50% greater than Capstone's and Copper Mountain's combined. And ours on those reserves are valued at less than 5 cents a pound in the ground. Well, Lundin is valued at 30 cents, Capstone at 30 cents, and Copper Mountain at a staggering 80 cents. So some of the catch-up of these metrics by investors will occur in terms of growth as our growth of our production uh, uh, continues. Frankly, uh, uh, and, and that's going to be in a pretty short period of time, the next 36 to 48 months if we, if we continue on this path of uh, where we think copper prices. So frankly, I think we're the best growth story in the copper space. We've been maligned a lot because we've had a low-cost opera, operation in Gibraltar. But Gibraltar's Gibraltar has Gibraltar. generated cash for the last 15 years and it's put us instead where we now can develop uh, our pipeline of production. Uh, so if you look at it conceptually, uh, we grow with Florence. We have 185 million pounds of production by 23, 2023, a further 170 million pounds by 2025 once Yellowhead comes online uh, for annual production of over 355 million pounds annually at roughly... Uh, $1.60 US per ton uh, C1 costs. So, if we look at the, all your guys' estimations, uh, all your analyst, analyst estimations, uh, with the copper ranging uh, well above $3, as you can see, these are going to be pretty accretive reserves in the ground. So, this does not include any consideration of where we may find ourselves headed on new prosperity discussions with our First Nations friends. So, uh, So a year that's been very difficult in many respects for so many of us in the world has set this company up for the future uh, in many, many ways. Everyone seems to uh, be focused on Gibraltar, as I said, but that's only a small component of this company, albeit as important for the past 15 years and will go on for another 20 or 30 years. Copper is going over $5 a pound. There's no doubt about it. Both Chile and Peru are in serious trouble uh, on the pandemic front. Coyabacchio uh, won't be coming on stream anytime soon, nor will QB or any other Latin American operations. To put it in perspective, treatment and refining charges are so slow low that smelters are shutting down because they can't afford to be open. No concentrate, no metal, but there is still metal demand. Highland Valley Copper, for example, just sold a spot cargo of 60,000 tons of concentrate for $23 a ton and 2.3 cents a pound. So smelters will go down, and demand will still be evident, and copper price will increase and stay high for the long term. I'd like to now turn the call over to Stuart.
4: Okay, thanks Russ, and good morning everyone, and thanks for joining our
3: four-quarter call.
4: Um, we did actually announce our, our copper production and EBITDA estimate in early January. Uh, so that part wasn't really news yesterday, but uh, with copper prices now over $4 a pound, Number of other positive developments in our business recently, it's definitely an exciting time for us. Um, And I wanted to start, uh, spend a few minutes just to review the last year, and it was certainly a memorable one for for many reasons. Um, Firstly, at Gibraltar, as always our primary focus is on the health and safety of our employees. And our response to the COVID pandemic in March uh, was evidence of that commitment. The workplace protocols that we implemented Kept the operation running smoothly and our staff safely employed. While we've had a few COVID cases recently within our workforce, uh, we haven't had any issues and no operational disruptions. We're also proud of the fact that we had zero lost time incidents at Gibraltar last year. When the copper price dropped last March, we took quick action to adjust our cost structure and those initiatives resulted in about $30 million of cost savings in Q2 and Q3. We made those operational adjustments without any impact on copper production, without any employee layoffs, and without jeopardizing our long-term mine plan. So it definitely demonstrates uh, the flexibility that we have at Gibraltar and the value of a long-life, stable operation in a good jurisdiction. We produced 123 million pounds of copper for the year at a cash cost of $1.92 a pound, and that led to operating cash flows of 106 million and adjusted EBITDA of 108 million for the year. We also made very good progress at Florence uh, over the last year. This is a very valuable asset that is going to dramatically change to SECO's copper production and cost profile in the near future. The test work that we've completed has been an important de-risking step in increasing our operational understanding and also validating many of the key assumptions from the feasibility study. In December, we received the State Aquifer Protection Permit, which was a key milestone, and followed on from the public consultation process where we saw strong community support for the project. This support is now also being reflected at the Florence Town Council, voted in January not to appeal uh, that permit. So the community support bodes well for the EPA permitting process, which is ongoing, and we expect to receive that permit as well in the next few months. So we've had successes at both Gibraltar and Florence and with our recently completed financings we also have a much stronger balance sheet than we've had in the past. The $400 million bond refi completed earlier this month was used to repay our $250 million bond which was due to mature in 2022 and the upsize provides a significant portion of the required funding for Florence at an attractive cost and with no maintenance covenants. We now have a cash balance of approximately $200 million US and no significant debt maturities until 2026. So we believe we're very well positioned. Um, At Gibraltar, we expect to produce 125 million pounds of copper this year. That's a slight increase over 2020. And we expect that production to be weighted towards the second half of the year as head head grades increase as we advance in the Pollyanna pit and also begin to access ore from the Gibraltar pit later this year. And of course, copper prices are significantly higher than they were in 2020, which means improved financial results for us. To give you an idea of our leverage, at these prices, we would have generated roughly $275 million of adjusted EBITDA last year, which is a 150% increase. So with 90% of our revenue coming from unhedged copper production, the copper price recovery is very meaningful for us. We have the majority of the required Florence funding already in hand, and we recently announced that we're moving forward with final design engineering and procurement activities. This upfront work will allow us to move smoothly into the construction of commercial facility, and we're planning to move forward with on-the-ground construction as soon as we have the final EPA permit in place, which we expect to happen around mid-year. That schedule would put us in commercial production in the second half of 2022. Florence is one of the lowest capex-intensity copper projects in the world. It also has a low operating cost of $1.10 a pound. And it's a green project that will produce refined copper cathode with 90% less carbon emissions than a conventional mine. This will become a new U.S. domestic supply of green metal that fits very well into government plans for renewable energy infrastructure and electric vehicle manufacturing. Lastly, I wanted to talk about our longer-term growth plans. Uh, beyond Florence, we have two other significant copper projects in the pipeline, Yellowhead and New Prosperity, and we're actively engaged with, on both of those projects. At Yellowhead, we're focused on the environmental assessment process and engagement with local communities, including First Nations. We've also commenced discussions with potential JV partners for that project. And as a reminder, at New Prosperity, we're engaged in a confidential dialogue with the B.C. Provincial Government and the Chilcotin National Government to try to find a solution to the conflict around that project. Over the last year, we've made progress in establishing a constructive dialogue uh, with the Chilcotin, and in December, we agreed to extend our standstill agreement for an additional year so that that dialogue can continue. So this is important work that's happening in the background at both Yellowhead and New Prosperity. Uh, We understand that equity markets are focused on shorter-term catalysts, but development of major projects like this takes time and patience and with successful outcomes, either of these projects could become very meaningful for shareholders in the near future. In a $4 copper price environment, there's also expansion potential at Gibraltar, and that's something we're studying as well. As Russ already mentioned, TSECO has close to 15 billion pounds of copper in proven and probable reserves, and that reserve base is unmatched in the mid-tier copper space. So we have a great base to build from, and we'll continue to focus on organic growth to realize the inherent value of those reserves. And with that, uh, I'd like to wrap up and hand the call over to Bryce to talk about our Q4 financials.
5: Thanks Stuart. Good morning everyone. For the fourth quarter, we reported earnings from mine operations before depletion and amortization of $27 million and adjusted EBITDA of $20.5 million. Earnings this quarter continued to benefit from the recovering copper price, which averaged 3.25 per pound for the quarter. TSECO also had a further 8 million in upward provisional copper price adjustments included in revenue. It resulted in an average realized price of 3.69 per pound in our revenue. We had sales of 25 million pounds, which was similar to our production, and we continued to keep our concentrate inventory low at the end of December, which ended at uh, 3.4 million pounds. Total site operating costs came in a bit higher this quarter at 282 US per pound. And it was higher than the previous quarters on a per pound basis as a result of a few things. First, we had lower copper production. There was also 36 cents attributed to inventory for our stockpiles, which grew over the quarter, actually throughout 2020. And we also had higher uh, costs in our, in our finished goods inventory. <clears throat> Those together increased by $8 million in the quarter. There was also less mining costs being capitalized as work focused in the Pollyanna pit. Only $1.2 million and that was related to work in the Gibraltar pit. And uh, last but not least, the Canadian dollar also strengthened, finished the year at $1.27 per pound. But at a $3.69 realized copper price, we still made a notable operating margin of $27 million before depreciation and generated cash flow from operations of $20 million. Depreciation is at 19 million and is consistent with our previous guidance of 20 million per quarter, which is what we expect going forward for the Pollyanna pit for 2021. (laughs) With the higher copper price and the new mine plan, we also invested in the dewatering of the Gibraltar pit in Q4 with 7 million in procurement of the pumping and piping system to move water into the granite pit in 2021, now that we are finished mining in the granite pit. We also spent 4 million on Florence. These CapEx programs were funded from our operating cash flow. Cap net income was $6 million and EPS was $0.02 cents a share due to the weakening U.S. dollar. With the removal of the unrealized effects gain on our 2022 notes, which are denominated in U.S. dollars, we had an adjusted net loss of $7.5 million, or $0.03 cents per share. Looking back on 2020, in particular the cash flow statement, you can see that with everything that COVID threw at us, which Stuart outlined. We finished the year with 85 million in cash, which is 32 million more than where we started. The modest equity raise we did in November for net proceeds of 34 million remains in our bank account today, and it improved our liquidity. We also generated 170 million Canadian of net proceeds from our bond refinancing in January that Stuart mentioned. That bond was upsized to 400 million but at a significantly lower interest rate. Our interest costs have only increased by six million a year. So today we have 200 million US of cash. While we watch the copper price attempt to break and surpass prices not seen for a decade. This is extremely timely as we plan for the construction of Florence in the second half of this year. We have a lot of options available for any remaining funding and we know Florence is a very valuable asset in the current environment. Florence makes an extraordinary financial return Two, given its low capex intensity and expected C1 costs. Florence has a net present value of 680 million based on our 2017 technical report using a $3 copper price. With funding substantially in hand and removing that capex in that model, that increases the funded NPV of Florence up to 900 million or 325 US per share. And if I run that funded Florence model using 350 copper price, it's $4 US per share. And at today's copper price of 4.30 per pound, I see an NPV of 5.50 per share US. So there's significant appreciation potential in the near term for our shareholders as we prepare to build and operate Florence. This is all happening at a time when copper attempts to break new records and the world is planning to recover from the pandemic, but finding itself critically short of copper. And with the backdrop of investors hungry for ESG conscious companies
0: and qualifying
5: green investments. 2021 will be a transformational year for TSECO. I will now turn it back to the operator for any questions. Thanks.
1: Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by one on your touch-toned phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. One moment please for your first question.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
1: Your first question comes from Mike Kozak with Kentor Fitzgerald. Please go ahead.
6: Uh, yeah, good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. A couple from me. Um, first is that uh, do you expect to have to wait for um, uh, Michael Michael Regan, who's I think the new head of the EPA, and presumably his new incoming team, uh, to have to review all the in-progress approvals before Florence uh, receives the UIC? And I guess w- what I'm asking is that um, when when you say the UIC permit by mid-year, is that the assumption that you're making?
7: Uh, yeah, Mike, it's Richard Tromley here. So we do not uh, foresee any delays with EPA reviewing or finalizing the permit and and uh, commencing like the process is it gets issued for draft. Uh, or it gets issued as a draft, and then it's out for public comment. And then uh, those public com at the end of the public comment period, there's a hearing. Uh, comments are made. EPA will. Adjust the draft permit if required, based on some of the comments received, and then we'll issue it, but uh, we don't foresee any delay or any uh, any issues there.
6: Okay, okay, that's helpful. Um, and then um my second one is just on the Florence uh, f- financing here, so i just I just look at the numbers. So initial capEx two hundred thirty million. Uh you got four hundred million now less the two fifty from the bond refi, so one fifty net. Uh, so call it an 80 million uh, U.S. funding gap, um, excluding what you have on your balance sheet in, in in cash now, or just from the last quarter. And by my estimates, at current copper prices, it's basically two quarters of cash flow from Gibraltar. So my question is that, you know, over you know Stuart has been saying over the last probably six quarters, you know, one of the one of the financing options was either a JV partner or even selling a royalty to finance Florence. Can I can I I want to confirm that that I mean. This is this is no longer being considered. I I could I could imagine right given where copper prices are and the fact that that funding gap is so small.
4: Well, I think you're you're you you've got the uh, handle on the numbers. I mean, we've got as we said in our script, we've got 200 million US uh, of cash in hand today. We're generating good cash flow from Gibraltar. Capex of Florence is relatively low at only 230. So um, yeah, we think we're in a very strong position. Uh, we definitely have the ability to fund this. Um, project on our own and own at 100%. Um, we are continuing um, discussions with a few select uh, JV partners. Um, we're going to see how those discussions play out. Uh, we still think that the potential to maybe sell a minority stake um, at, at something based off of NPV. Right? It's a $700 million NPV or higher at today's prices right. if if we can do a, a very accretive transaction with a minority stake, then that's something we may uh, consider doing. But if we don't get the valuation that we want, as you say, we have many other options to fund this and own it ourselves on a 100% basis. So we're in a much stronger position today, obviously. And, and frankly, kind of looking back, you know, we're glad that we didn't do a transaction uh, last year because we're in a much stronger position today and have many more options. So sometimes it's, it's the it's the that you don't do that yeah. that that
6: work out well for you. So. I I completely agree. That's that's good to hear. Okay. Um, thanks, everyone. That's that's all for me.
1: Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Craig Hutchinson with TD Securities. Please go ahead.
8: Hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, my question is on Gibraltar. We did see the mining rates pick up here in Q4. Can we expect similar mining rates through the balance of this year that we saw in Q4? you
3: refer to mining rates. Total material moved?
8: Yeah, total material moved. Um, maybe you can give me some context on strip ratio as well. That'd be helpful.
3: Yeah,
7: so, uh, so Craig, uh, Richard Tromley here. Uh, yeah, mining rates uh, will continue similar to Q4 uh, rates uh, for this year.
8: Okay, and in terms of grades, I know you guys are guiding for higher grades in the back half of this year, but just, you know, kind of going into Q1, should we expect something similar to Q4, or, or, or are you guys already in a higher grade uh, portion of the pit now?
7: Yeah, so the the production uh, profile for the year, roughly 45% of our production will be in the first half of the year and 55% in the second half.
8: Okay, great, thanks. Um, and, and in Florence as well. Just maybe a follow-up question on, on the permitting. I, I know you guys targeted with your your Q3 results to have all the permits in hand or early 2021. Now it's our mid-year. Can you just provide some context of why that timeline has slipped on the EPA's front?
3: Government, <clears throat> yeah, like <laughs>
7: there is no. Uh, uh- The timeline really was impacted by a a number of different things, but there is no set timeline, so it's a process that needs to be run through, and, uh, you know, best best estimate is is really what we look at. Um, COVID-19 played a factor, Uh, responses back on the treatment plan for the historic properties uh, that are on site that we have to deal with, Uh, we're slow in in coming back from the consulting parties, and a number of things like that impacted us, but... Uh, the process continues to advance, just not as fast as as we originally thought.
8: Okay. And maybe just the last one question. Um, I think that the capex guidance now is around 240 U.S. Is that correct? 230. 230,
3: 230, 230. is 230.
8: the number. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. You guys are feeling pretty confident with that, just given where steel prices have gone recently in the U.S.
4: Yeah, we've looked at that. We're pretty reasonably confident that that would include, you know, there's some assumptions in there about uh, reclamation bonding and a portion of those of the bonding will be covered by surety bonds and there's some working capital in there. But, you know, generally, we're comfortable with that estimate. Okay,
3: the more great, engineering, you know, Greg, the, the more engineering you do, the better uh, refinement you get on your costs. So, although We've been delayed with the permitting, you know, and, and last year certainly the delay in the permitting, like Stuart said, uh, certainly just blended into the whole where we were in the copper price cycle and that kind of stuff. And that, and about at the same time, we were refining our, our, our engineering studies and getting more details in terms of uh, overall engineering costs. And when that happens, you can really focus in on your, on your capital expenditures.
8: Great, guys. Thank you for taking my questions.
1: Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press the star followed by one. One moment, please, for your next question. Um, okay, oh,
4: oh, uh, operator. Yeah, yeah, operator, yeah. Yeah, operator. If there's no further questions, um, yeah, we, we can wrap up the call here. And thanks again, everyone, for joining. And we'll talk to you again uh, in May after our first quarter. Thanks again. Bye, everyone.
3: Yeah.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you. Have a good day.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.